The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, uh, we are grateful to you. Lord, I want to thank you for your presence. Lord, I want to thank you, God, that you desire to draw close. Lord, I want to thank you that you desire to know each one of us, that each one matters to you. Lord, I thank you, God, that your plans are sovereign. Lord, as we've been singing, as we've been declaring, the will of God will overcome. There is a kingdom uh, uh, that is coming, the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ that shall rule the earth. There is no darkness that stands in the way of the light of Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord God, that there is a stirring of hope. Lord, we recognize that as, as rules are released and there's a freedom, Lord, there is hope that is stirring up. Lord, may our hope not be found in government rules and politics, but may our hope be found in Jesus and Jesus alone. Lord, I pray, Lord God, speak to the hearts of your people this morning. Lord God, use me as your mouthpiece, I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. When, when Kizzy and I first traveled to Portugal, uh, filled with hope and excitement of what God was, was doing. There was a particular verse that we were carrying in our hearts uh, from uh, the, the, the minor prophet Habakkuk, uh, and he speaks some, uh, a couple of verses in chapter 2, uh, prophesying what's going to take place upon the earth. It's a, it's a short verse, it just says this, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. There's a time coming when the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as, just like we see, if you look out to see where I live, there's sea and it's expanse, it goes on and on. And just imagine as you think, if you think of the sea, imagine that covering, just endless, endless water. That's the, the, the revelation that is to come of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. We had that verse, and you know, for us it was accompanied with discipling. It was accompanied with uh, you know, what we sought to do, which is build a house of prayer, a place where people encounter God. Uh, but in these last couple of months, God has brought us back to this verse and the simple phrase, what is the knowledge of the glory of the Lord? And why is it that that God wants to cover the earth with? And uh, this morning, I'm hoping to, to challenge us a little bit and maybe um, compel you to ask, begin to ask that question yourself. Those times when you're spending uh, time with, with the Lord, those moments when you're opening the scriptures, those moments, those brief moments perhaps, depending on your life circumstances, where you get a bit of alone time and you can focus on God. Maybe you can be saying, well, what is the knowledge of God? We live in a time uh, you know, where it's often been described as the information age. At a moment's notice, you can get information about anything. 
if you can use a phone or a computer. Uh, you know, Google is at in our pockets or in our handbags at any time. And if you want information, this is the dangers of a quiz. Uh, because you can have your phone on the side. Not that I would do that. But, uh, but you, you can gain access to information so easily that sometimes the hard work of getting to know something is put to one side. Um, you can see on the image I've put up, there's a picture of a black cab there. And I just thought, oh, there's a connection here. Because uh, for those, and I don't know if there's any black cabbies now, in the church, raise your hand, or anyone that's even attempted to study the knowledge. But there's something that sets black cab drivers apart from Uber drivers, okay? Uh, they go through a process of gaining the knowledge, and it can take years and years. By rote, just in their heads, they have to learn 320 routes through London. And it could be from one obscure I don't know, obscure ones, uh, I'm trying to think at the end of the line. But, uh, you know, they could go from one obscure station um, and no to the other end, to Manor Road at one other end. They've got to learn these routes and know them by, uh, by heart, and then they're tested, then tested again over periods of times to make sure that their knowledge isn't just at their fingertips, isn't just on the phone and the sat-nav as the Uber driver has, and he just follows whatever it tells me I'll do but it's in, inside, it's in their heads. They've gained it for themselves. They're not reliant upon pulling out their phone or their sat-nav to get somewhere. And I believe that there's a connection here that we can each learn and we can each know because there are no shortcuts to knowing God for yourself. There are no shortcuts to just getting the information. I can find out about God. I just get my phone out. I can just go on the internet. I can just ask someone else or trust the man of God uh, who's speaking uh, on the stage or at the pulpit or on YouTube or wherever you might go to get your information. And while our teaching is a good thing, there's no substitute for knowing the Lord for yourself. We live in a time, and uh, throughout history, I believe this is an area where the church has got this wrong. God is a personal God. God is a God who desires intimacy with each and every one of us. And yet, you know, you think of the history of the church, you've required a certain individual and their position to act as the priest. You've desired, uh, it's, it's been necessary for someone else to supply the information or to give you the very way to get to God. But it's about personal, deep, intimate relationship with the Lord. God's vision even as I said right from the beginning, was that the earth be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. The knowledge is found in each and every heart, each and every person. So look, we're going to dive into John chapter 17. Um, and uh, there's a particular section we're going to read at the end of that chapter. But this is a, a key moment in the life of Jesus. He has... Um, brought the disciples to a place where they finally believed in him at the end of chapter 16. He's, uh, he's washed their feet. Uh, he's uh, gone through the Last Supper. And then he's just beginning. He says he stands in their presence and begins to pray. He prays for himself. He prays for the disciples right there and then. And he prays for the believers and all those who are going to trust in God. And at the beginning of that in verse 3... 
This is something that he says. He's referring to, he says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life is summed up, and essentially eternal life being the fullness of being with God forever is found, is this. It is that we may know him and that we would know Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is Jesus' prayer. The very purpose for living, the very purpose that we were made, the reason we were created was for a relationship with the living God. It was in his heart at very creation. I will make a place where I can put uh, men and women made in my image that I may know them and that they may know me. The greatest knowledge, the true knowledge that we need is the knowledge of God. The true knowledge that the world needs is the knowledge of God. And it's not just a matter of giving information on a phone. It's about coming to a place of knowing Him. Knowing the only true God. Knowing Jesus Christ whom He sent. Nothing can substitute that personal encounter, that personal, intimate relationship with the true God. Society has done this from the very beginning. They've created an image of who God is that is separate from the true God. We hear words, even in discussion around theology and uh, what we think God is like, and people would say, my Jesus wouldn't be like that. My Jesus is like this. But here, Jesus is saying, you need to know the true God. Not our own version of him. Uh, creation and mankind has always created something to worship. And maybe you might be having conversations with people, trying to introduce them to the God that you know and say, hey, this is the God who can help and intervene into your circumstances. And they'll often say, I already know your God. And they might use words to describe uh, what your God is like. But we know that they don't know our God because they've not been with our God. We can create any version. We can say, oh, I know God. I know he's distant. I know God. He's unkind. I know God. He's vengeful or judgmental. But when they come to know the true God, when the earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of God and who he truly is, the nations will be changed. I say this because I believe throughout Scripture you see that people are asking the same questions. Who is God? In the book of Job, um, and it's a wonderful book uh, as they uh, pursue to find out what is God really like, and Job is you know, he's upset with God. Is this truly, is this the God that I worship that is, this is happening to me? And uh, after conversations from his three friends, Zophar, Bildad, and Eliphaz, finally this young man, Elihu, turns up and he begins to describe God, the true God. And in Job 36, 26, this is something that he says. He says, behold, God is great. And we do not know him. I'll come to the next bit in a moment. He's had this revelation. God is great. But we don't know him. 
And when I came across this verse some months ago, it cut me to the core. You can spend years. You can spend an eternity worshipping, saying, God is great, God is great. And yet, not really know him. You know, even as we think of Pastor Jonathan having his sabbatical time, the simple prayer is this, Lord, I want to know you. You can be years in ministry. And we know that verse in Matthew 6 where it's like, you did all this in my name, but I did not know you. Can I challenge you, church? Can I compel you to make this prayer central in my heart? Because this is what eternal life is truly about. I need to know you. Later in this, uh, in, in the uh, chapter uh, 17 of the book of John, as uh, Jesus is praying, we can capture his heart. I'm going to jump a little bit from the verses I gave you um, on the screen um, to, to down to verse 24, just for time's sake. And this is, this is Jesus. He's, he's prayed for himself. He's prayed for the disciples, and now he's praying for the body, the people who are going to put their trust in him. And he says this in verse 24. Father, I desire that they also, whom you gave me, may be with me where I am. That they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name and will declare it, that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. This is, I mean, John 17, one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. It's just a, a, a beautiful kind of insight into the heart of Jesus as you just read the, him praying publicly so the disciples can hear, uh, and you capture both the reason why he's come and his love for the disciples and his love for us in the midst of it also. But what jumps out to me, right, even the beginning of this, is, is these simple words where Jesus says, I desire. We, throughout all of the Gospels, you see how Jesus does the will of the Father only does, I will do what he shows me and what he tells me. But here we have an insight and we catch a hold. This is what Jesus desires. And he's asking his father, this is what I desire. And he's saying, those who you've given me, I want them to be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. There's something about prayer that enables us to draw close. There's something about prayer that enables us to come into intimacy, into the very presence of God. And that's what Jesus desires of us, to be with him where he is. Even as this prayer that Jesus is praying is kind of building, it's almost like heaven is opening as he is speaking. And he's even imagining, obviously, he's not yet in glory. He's, he's still on the earth and about to go uh, to the garden, about to go uh, into judgment and, and to the cross and Calvary. He's about to go through that. But in this moment, he's just 
stepping almost into glory himself as he's praying this prayer. And the people I imagine to be there in the moment. And it's like that they will be with me and behold me as I am going to be in my glory. Those sorts of encounters, those sorts of experiences only happen you know, in the place of prayer and worship. Jesus is giving us uh, his heart's desire here. I want you to be with me. And I don't believe he's just talking about when we die and we will be with him in glory. He's talking about an experience. He wants us to be with him now. To experience him now. He wants us to know him intimately now and to awaken that passionate pursuit of him now. As this prayer kind of crescendos, as this prayer kind of builds, may it stir us as well. He wants us to behold him, to see him, to behold his beauty. He wants us to be where he is. There is an invitation to every believer, every one of us. This is not just for the praying people. This is not just for the teachers or the pastors. This is for everyone. All that you have given me, I want all of them with me where I am. The invitation to come close, the invitation to be with him where he is. Can we respond to Christ's desire this morning? I don't know about you, but when we hear Jesus' desire, and it's like we have the opportunity to meet the desires of Jesus, don't you want to say yes to him? Don't you want to agree with him? Don't you want to give him all the opportunity that that he desires to know us as we know him. I know that oftentimes, and it's hard, the, the message can be another message calling you to pray more, calling you to read more, calling you to uh, spend more time. And that can be a, a hard thing. Life is a challenge. I know with little ones and busyness and schooling and running around and work and all sorts, taking those times. And yet there's still no substitute. There's no shortcut. There's no simple way to make this happen without you personally seeking him. And I would say this, it doesn't have to be done only alone. Corporately seeking him matters uh, and, and can help bring us through, bring us through together. Um, but it's not just a matter of, I need to know God, I'll read another message about him. Uh, I need to know God, I'll listen to another person talk about him. I need to know God, I'll, I'll Google, what is God like? That's not going to do it. We need time. We need to push in. We need to ask him, Lord, reveal yourself again. And I believe this is something that the early church knew. It runs through scripture from the beginning to the end. The knowledge of the glory of God, the knowledge of who he is, is what 
we need in order to bring about salvation, to bring about lives being changed and transformed, is what we need that we can face any situation and circumstance and know that God is with us in the midst of it. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, in the midst of one of Paul's prayers, this is just as he starts, this is what he says. Uh, this is a New International Version. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. In the New King James, uses the, uh, the very words, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Paul's prayer is the same. I want you to know him. Lord, release the spirit of wisdom and revelation upon your people that we may know you. It is the very purpose for which we were made. Eternal life is found in this. As God has been speaking this message to to Kizzy and I over this season, as he's been stirring us, we have been choosing to dedicate uh, a specific time in our lives uh, beyond the norm to say, I am pressing in. You know, it helps that we kind of have a prayer house in our house and there's space. um, But we, you know, obviously we're continuing to invite people in. Come on, we have an opportunity to respond to Christ's desire that he wants us to know him. And I believe it's the same for you. Even as you set to pray for Pastor Jonathan, use it as an opportunity to seek him and pray for him. Uh, Pray for Jonathan and seek the face of Jesus for Jesus is calling us, beckoning us, asking us, come, there's an invitation. Come, I want to know you. Eternal life is this, to know the true God and the one that Jesus Christ sent. I want to take this moment, this opportunity to pray and give you space to respond. Heavenly Father, Oh, Lord. Father, we want to capture your heart for us. You have loved us from the beginning. And you desire that we be with you where you are. Even today, even in this moment, let the heavens open. Lord, help us to step over that threshold Let the glory of the the living God, Jesus Christ himself, come into this place this morning. Lord, we know it's the work of the Spirit. We can't make it happen in each of our hearts. But when the revelation comes, when the spirit of wisdom and revelation comes, you awaken within us the knowledge of who you are. Lord, I pray, spirit of wisdom and revelation fall in this place. Lord, in the newness of this season, awaken the hope that this is the season where I go beyond where I've been before and meet you, encounter you, see you, experience you, gain a greater revelation of who you are. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. 
You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.